This episode of Topics is brought to you by Hulu Plus. Watch your favorite shows anytime, anywhere with Hulu Plus. You can watch on your TV. You can watch on the go with your smartphone or your tablet. You can watch shows like Family Guy, Once Upon a Time. I know somebody on that. New Girl. I know somebody on that. Scandal. I know somebody on that. And more. And right now, you can try Hulu Plus free for two weeks when you go to Hulu Plus dot com slash topics that's hulu plus dot com slash topics it's topics the podcast where two comedians discuss serious topics in a serious way although if something funny happens that's okay too i'm michael ian black joined as always by my partner michael showalter hey mike Hey, this is going to be a terrific episode of the podcast. We've got a lot to cover and a special guest, so I just want to quickly go over the rules and get right to it. Um, The first rule, and really only rule, is there are no rules. And what I mean is, really, we try to let anything happen because part of the process of exploration and the process of learning sometimes involves going down avenues that uh, may lead us to dead ends or may take us shortcuts or may take us to places that we never knew, never even knew existed. Well, because, you know, sometimes, Mike, um, you think it's a dead end, but then you realize it's a cul-de-sac. Well, and you're, it, well let me just clarify, because a cul-de-sac is a dead end. I know, but it, but you can go, you can make a circle and then come back around and you don't get stuck. I see. But I, just to clarify, you could turn around in a dead end too. Not, it depends on the car. It depends on the dead end. Oh, okay. I'm just saying a cul-de-sac is a, a cul-de-sac is a nice metaphor that I came up with for an, a, a, a way that a conversation could, uh, you're never stuck. Right. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's a it's a great metaphor, and I I appreciate it. I, I think you did a great job unpacking it. Um, it was very similar to what I said, but I think maybe you maybe you enhanced it a little bit, and so I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, we have a guideline on the podcast, which is we try to cover eighty percent of any given topic, which leads to our recommendation. Whatever we do not cover, whatever percentage we do not cover, we encourage you and your study groups to finish it off in your weekly sessions. And Michael, do you want to talk about the study groups real quick? Well, the study groups are, you know, uh, we're getting a huge response um, from all over the country and all over the world, really. Um, People are just really enjoying this. Um, We have a a study group um, in uh, Nashville, Tennessee that made T-shirts. They sent us some JPEGs of their T-shirts, and it just says topic study group on it. And then I ran into a guy, I don't remember his name, um, but he was a younger gentleman, very nice guy, and he told me that he and his girlfriend have started a new study group in Sherman Oaks, California. So I wanted to uh, just uh, say hello to the Sherman Oaks group and uh, wish them well. Uh, And our friend Steve Agee is doing a study group with his friend uh, Jake Fogelnest and another guy. Uh, whose name I cannot remember, so hello to them, and uh, good luck with your studies. And one of the things that's really struck me about the study groups is the range, uh, the, the range of inquiry, because they're really pushing things in directions that I never knew existed. Some of them go down 
cul-de-sacs, Michael. Um, but some of them are really charting some brand new avenues and, and really expanding on the map of knowledge uh, that we've begun, but that, well, but that the listeners have taken. In, in- well, you know, I just want to quickly say um, I was reading um, some mail and a woman uh, was, was telling me that in her study group, they now have 20 minutes of journaling at the beginning of the study group. It's quiet journaling. And uh, I guess they set a timer and they just free write on the topic in, as in individually for 20 minutes before the study group actually begins so that they all have done some work before the uh, before the session starts. That's such important work and I'm, I'm so glad that they're doing it. And I hope maybe some of the other study groups will take a page from their notebook, from their journal book and start journaling themselves because I think that's a terrific opportunity and way to really express yourself without, without the uh, structured environment of a topics study group. Okay. Well, we've gotten all that out of the way um, and I want to dive into today's music. So, uh, Michael, sound the, the trumpets because today's music is very musical. I think, I think when you may say music, you mean topic. <laughs> I do. No, I meant music. I, uh, sound the, what did I say? You said today's music. Oh, I, I apologize. Today's topic is very musical because today's topic is music. Now, you and I have done uh, a music-related topic once before we did jazz. That's right. But I want to take the 35,000-foot view of music as a whole this time. And to do that, we brought in a music expert who's joining us for this episode of Topics. Her name is Liz Fair. Hi, Liz. Hi, Michael. And Michael. Hi, Liz. We're so glad uh, that you could join us because you are a music expert, and I know you're going to have so much to add to this conversation. So I guess my first question to you is, what is music? Well, music is, is the, the undercurrent of our lives. It can be as simple as the, the heartbeat that we all first experience as babies, or it can be the ambient noises around us. But basically, from birth, we are impacted by sound, like, and the patterns in that sound is something our brain really likes to put together. And I think that's the foundation of our love of music, when the patterns and the ambient noises that we've been exposed to since birth, really come together, and then are, are, you know, uplifted. That's so interesting. It's, it's interesting. It's not correct, but it is interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear your definition. Um, so I want to unpack something that you said earlier and really drill down into it because it was such a fascinating image to me. You said uh, babies listen to heartbeats and that could be music. Could you expand on that a little bit? Well, I, I don't want to in any way imply that everyone breastfeeds, but but a large majority of people do breastfeed. And of course, then you have the interplay of the baby understanding its own heart heartbeat. And the breast. Well, the mother's heartbeat then through the breast. And Mm. then there's an interplay with that, which, you know, when you spoke of jazz earlier, there's that sort of foundation for that kind of coming together a pattern and it it falls apart. I mean, you're referring to polyrhythms now. Polyrhythms, yes. yes. I mean, in a 
I didn't want to use all my vocabulary on you guys in case that was over your heads. In an interesting way, um, the breast is sort of like the first... Maraca. Well, I was going to say trumpet uh-huh. or, or wind instrument that a jazz musician might play. Can you, sure. What do you mean by that, Michael? Well, because I guess I was just picking up where uh, on the discussion of um, breastfeeding and having the, the breast in the mouth oh. that I, I then took that and imagined in my mind that, that the baby were playing an instrument and I was thinking, what instrument would the breast be if it was in the mouth? Mm. And then I came up with a trumpet or it could be a saxophone. Mm-hmm. The difference, of course, being that when a baby sucks on that uh, juicy nipple, it's, it's bringing air in and liquid and colostrum in, whereas the musician is expelling air through the instrument and out. So in a sense, they're, they're, they're certainly both mouth-based, but they're sort of doing opposite mouth activities. A harmonica. Yes. Liz, would you say a breast is like a harmonica? Um, no, I, I wouldn't say it was like mm-hmm. a harmonica. I would I would think a kazoo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Or kazoo because I don't think it has the range. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about what you know the rhythm that you put into it. Hmm. It's very interesting. Vibration. Mm-hmm. Liz, when you write music or you have a man write music for you, what is it you're looking for in the composition? Well, I, I want something that I can sing. So in my vocal range is sort of the primary thing that I'm concerned about, you know, which my range is very small. So I have to basically give them like two or three notes, maybe four mm-hmm. on a good day, five, and ask them to write something complex, you know, with verses, choruses, codas, and a bridge within like a five no range. Yes. Yes. And for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with these musical terms, Michael, why don't you explain what a coda is? A coda is a ending point. And, and a beginning. And a beginning. So it's the shalom of music. And, um, and a bridge is the part of the song that takes you from one part of it to another part of it. Is that right? I like to think of the bridge as the, um, meta message. Hmm. Mm. That's a wonder. That's a wonderful image. And I, can you, can you understand um, it? Can you, um, elaborate on that? I, Why, I think, well, there, there's always, there's a school of thought that prefers a solo, in that section, some, some songs incorporate both, mm-hmm. but you have to be really, really, really talented to do that. You know, both a bridge and a solo. That's asking a lot, but, you know, of a listener. But, but a, bridge, a bridge is like the essence of the message. It's basically at a, another level, at a sort of transcendent, profound level, the 35,000-foot view, as mm-hmm. you were talking well, of what the song is about. I usually just give, fast forward through the bridge. 
Can but you Michael, give you an, another question? Well, I want to. I want to. Um, I want to pursue this. Can you give an example of a song um, where this where this bridge meta message phenomenon occurs? Um, that, well, that we that we might know. Well, I think you know the national anthem is something that I always like to refer to as one of the okay. greatest songs ever written and it actually I know that song now this is the national anthem of the United States of America right because Liz we have listeners Correct. from all over the world each of whom has a national anthem for their own home countries Correct. Well, I, I believe the, the French national anthem also has a bridge, but because they sing it in French, I don't, I don't really know what it's talking about. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that what it's talking about is sort of the essence of Frenchness, you know, the so, essence of patriotism. So where in the, in the national anthem does the bridge occur? In the American national anthem? Actually, the, na the national anthem of the United States doesn't have a bridge. Which is my, oh. you know, that's one of the very interesting things about it. But, did, ah. but weren't you answering the question, can you give us an example of a bridge and you answered with the national anthem, Liz? Well, I, I'm not familiar with all the international anthems, but... No, I want to I get our, our, our beaks wet on the Star Spangled Banner. Um, and you in know, an, in answering you Michael's it, question, you did bridge, say... I'll tell you what the bridge of the national anthem is. Um, Michael, if you'd let me continue with my thought, because it doesn't have a bridge, you know, that high C, that high C note. Of that course. Yes. For? Of course. Of course. That of is course. the bridge, because what that's saying is America as a country had to reach incredibly. And it, it makes you never forget the sacrifice and the reaching for that ideal that democracy, that American democracy specifically embodies. So when everyone in that stadium is reaching for that high C, they're, they're saying, yes, I uphold this ideal that we have fought and died for and defended. And that is the bridge moment. I get it. It's a wonderful, I get it. wonderful image. Um, to, to, to take it a step further as a follow-up, so often singers fall short in reaching that high C. Are they making a political statement and saying that the nation itself has fallen short? They're really, they're really just letting the country down. They're really just, they're part of the welfare, you know, problem. They're just, they're not pulling their weight. Mm -hmm. It's a real disappointment. I think everyone feels it. Well, I, you know, this is one of those conversational avenues that I did not expect to go down. Um, I agree with you, um, but I'd like to redirect the conversation just a smidge, if I could, because I don't want to get too specific about the 47%. <laughs> I want to talk about um, early, uh, what we refer to as classical music. What's the difference between classical music and what you do with a song like, uh, for example, HWC, which stands for Hot White Cum. Well, you know, they're, 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 when, I, when I work in the medium of pop, I think classical is something that, you know, what is 200 years, 300 years old? Classical? Uh, sometimes it's thousands of years old. Classical? Mm-hmm. 
Well, like, um, like Mozart, for example, that lived thousands of years ago, but continue. I, I think of Hot White Cum as more of an infomercial. Mm-hmm. I think of it as something that I'm advertising. Mm-hmm. Whereas like classical you- is sort of a, I, I think, more of a glory be to the higher power kind of, you know, I think they were written often to be played either in church or in salons or in court, possibly. And I think Hot White Come is more in the gutter and on the street mm. and in the bordello. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's almost, it's almost the antithesis of the, s- the sacred and the profane as it were. Yes. Thank you. How, how well, how well put. Thank you. So maybe, you know, you've got this idea. It's a great idea. You want to start a business. You want to start selling your products or your services online. Or maybe, you know, you're an established business and you're looking for new customers. Or maybe you just you just want to start a personal website. No matter who you are, GoDaddy wants to help you kick ass online. As the world's number one domain registrar, that's somebody who registers things. I know that from college. GoDaddy currently manages over 57 million domains. Plus, they provide award-winning 24-7 customer support. So anytime you need help, all you have to do is pick up the phone and they're there. Uh, Danica Patrick actually answers the phones there. If you've ever dreamed of building your own website, there has never been a better time. So right now, go do- right now GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com domain for just $2.95. That's cheap. That's very inexpensive, you know, if you're trying to transfer.com domains. Start your website today. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter promo code TOPICS295. That's TOPICS295 to save 80% and get your own .com for just $2.95. Some limitations apply. See the website for details. That's promo code TOPICS295 at GoDaddy.com. You've probably tried Hulu on your computer, right? That's Everybody watches on your computer, but Hulu Plus is so much more than that. With Hulu Plus, you can actually watch current season episodes of your favorite shows like Saturday Night Live. I know people on that. And watch every episode of shows like American Dad. I don't know anybody on that. Now, more than ever, there's just so much to watch. You can just, you take total control with Hulu Plus. You can stream these shows and thousands more as much as you want, whenever you want. Hulu Plus, it works on your computer, it works on your smart TV, your Roku, your Apple TV, Xbox, PlayStation, any streaming device you already own. And, you know, that means that you can watch on your phone, your iPad, you can be on the train watching, you can be at work watching. I mean, you shouldn't because you're supposed to be working. You can be at the dentist. You can even be in the bathroom. Um... But, you know, that's potty humor and this isn't the time or place. You could even block off an entire day to binge. Also, get exclusive access to stream the Criterion Collection movies. You know, if you're a film geek, you know, it, you know, these aren't that easy to get your hands on. And Hulu Plus has um, not some of them. It has all of them. Like, you know, maybe like the Fantastic Mr. Fox on Criterion. It's got that. I like that one. The, the Life Aquatic. You know, it's got that one. All movies and kids shows are ad-free. Also, for only $7.99 a month, you get your entertainment anytime, anywhere. That is uh, a, it's like a quarter a day. And I didn't just do the math there. It's written down for me. 
Right now, sign up at huluplus.com slash topics and get two weeks full access completely free. That's a whole extra week more with this special offer when you sign up at huluplus.com slash topics. So get with it and start streaming TV now with Hulu Plus. I'm very curious to know how, what is the process in, for a songwriter? Like, where do, you, where do you get your ideas? Do you want me to take this, Liz, or do you want to? Do you want to take no, a you step? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know me well. Oh, no, I was going to answer for myself. But for oh. me, I look at, I try to keep my eyes and ears open to the entire world around me, to the entire experience of life. And from there, I may get just a snippet, uh, just a, a kind of musical idea. For example, if I saw a leaf falling from a tree, I might, I might hear that as a kind of minor descending scale. A ba, 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 ba. And with those four notes in place as a foundation, I can then expand and build and maybe do a counterpoint to that. And so on and so forth. Liz, is that what Mike just did? Is that, is that, we'd call that contrapunto, right? Um, yes, I believe that's correct. Contrapunto. And do you, what about you, Liz? Do you, where do you get your ideas from when you're writing songs? Do you, um, do, do you they look come at leaves falling from a do, tree? Well, I, I, I'm, yeah, I've I, not, do, I've not experienced that, but that is, that is, I, I agree with you that yeah. the, the smallest things say, like when, you know, when you have a fruit bowl that's out and, and maybe it's been there, like some of the fruit is getting older and so they're getting a little bit soft. And do you know, I don't know if you live in LA, but we have a problem with fruit flies. Mm. But, you know, sometimes I can just watch a fruit fly and wonder what it's like for them. You know, is it hard for them? Are they happy? Are they trapped in the house? And sometimes just going into the mindset of something as simple and small and, you know, lowly as a fruit fly. And I can feel there, I can, I can be inspired to write a song about their plight, you know, kind of like it's a universal thing, songwriting. And will you, will you play us that song that you, that, in, that the fruit fly inspired? I haven't actually written that. It was just more of a. Oh, I see. Because you, you heard how I was. You heard how I was able to improvise a kind of minor descending scale from the idea of a leaf falling from a tree, and then also the oh. contrapunto to that. Sure. Okay. A fruit fly is kind of. I, I believe they fly in sort of jags. They mm-hmm. kind of they tack quickly, and that's why you can't catch them when you try to smack them between your hands. So I, I think I'll go with. Uh, Hmm. It kind of had a uh, an ambient quality to it, a kind of droning, Moby-esque, Aphex twin vibe that I was really grooving on. Michael? Well, I thought it was... I really liked it. I thought that it was, it's obviously in the tradition of this, of the song fruit fly. Um, the, um, fruit fly don't bother me. Fruit fly don't bother me. Fruit fly don't bother me. Um, so I really, um, enjoyed the song and I liked, I like watching the artistic process, uh, 
maybe, coming maybe, to life. Maybe you'd get it more if I had lyrics to it, you know, because I was trying to do the hand clapping. I don't know if you got that, like me trying to catch the fruit fly. Oh, so yeah. That is the percussive element. And I, I think the notes that I was singing was more the the um, altitude of the fly. But if I were to, you know, do the lyrics to it, I might incorporate the way fruit flies don't seem to care that you're trying to kill them. It's sort of like, oh, I like that you moved your hand there. That's funny, but it doesn't bother me. I can fly away, no problem. You know, that kind of thing where they're they're just vibing because they don't even know you're trying to kill them. And I, I really, I'm really, really enjoying where you're going with this. I mean, very much. And I can see this released as like a single. My question to you is, is it still music if it doesn't rhyme? Well, a lot of people debated that. I don't think there is a right answer for that. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you can you can decide for yourself. That is a long debated issue. Mm. How do you, how do you feel about it? No, you when you write, I mean, no, uh, my lyrics rhyme always. Well, not every lyric, but I might do a one three pattern or a two four, or I might use a limerick. I might use an A B. I do a lot of different. Uh, rhyming schemes. Um, but in the end, yes, they always rhyme. You know, what's really cool right now is people singing backwards. That's like super, you wouldn't know about it probably because I'm in music. I go out to these clubs that probably nobody has heard of, you know, they're not the kind of thing that like generally- what, like what, like what, what, cause I've probably heard of it. Michael, I know you're pretty familiar with the music scene also. Well, there's soul of the shoe. Yep. Yep. I don't really think you've been to Soul of the Shoe, Michael. Where is it? it, it well, if I tell if, if I were to say where it is, then everybody would go, and then it would no longer be an underground club. We can talk about it after the the uh, the podcast is over. But I do like that place very much, and particularly the backwards singing that happens there. Yeah. Or, or you know, the password. Well, everyone knows the password now. That's stupid. I mean. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say anything. I know, but it's, they've changed it. So we might as well just, you know, explain that it's like tuft of the beast. So, right. Do you ever think about Mike and I talk about this a lot and I want to ask you if you ever think about how crazy it was that like, do you ever think about the Beatles and how the Beatles started and how, the just what what were the chances of these guys coming together like what would we have what would have happened if Paul McCartney and John Lennon had never met oh my god that just took me back for a second that's a frightening thought that's a really frightening thought but as a musician what would have happened um would catastrophe mm-hmm I mean, our, our, our entire modern repertoire would be, be impacted by that. Because they obviously are, they obviously are in, in, each in their own right, phenomenally gifted songwriters. Um, but there was an obvious, clearly some kind of special alchemy that they had with each other that was able to produce this incredible body of work that we now are enjoying and feels contemporary 
even to this day, we mm-hmm. still listen to the Beatles. We still love their music. Right. We still love and, Br- Bridge Over Troubled Water and, and, and all that stuff. It's just it's become it's become part of the canon. I think I mean, that's a unique constellation. I think that is just one of those rare occurrences that we all have to just step back and appreciate for what it was, which was, you know, kind of like lightning striking twice. They're just yeah. odds of having those particular musicians, you know, be born and grow up at the same time so that they could meet at school, you know, at public school or, you know, pick up an instrument that wasn't the same instrument. You know, what if McCartney and Lennon, you know, only played guitar, only played right, bass? right, mm-hmm. right, right. I, I, it's, I, I mean, I, I, I really love talking about this because I just feel like it does. I like what you said about lightning striking twice because it does feel like that. I mean, I love their music and I, and I just am so amazed at this special alchemy that they have together writing songs. And that's to take nothing away from them as individuals. And they, they did backwards singing too. Mm-hmm. Or we did backwards singing with their music. That's sort of where the movement started. Well, that's, the, that's the whole Paul is the walrus thing. Uh-huh. That, was, that was the first backwards song, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That, that he, on that song, do you know what we're talking about, Mike? This is a Beatles song you're referring to where, well, where Paul is the walrus was sang, but backwards. Well, what happened was is on the cover of the album, there's a walrus, someone is in a walrus costume. Mm-hmm. And I think in one of the songs, I think it was, um, Opla di Opla da. Um, if you played it backwards, you could hear Paul say very clearly or clearly articulating, I am the walrus. Mm-hmm. Now, what did that mean? I don't know. Like, what was the significance of that? I actually don't know. And if either of you guys do, I'd be very curious. Was like that? what did what did it mean that he was the walrus? He went through a kind of chubby period. Is that what it means? It could be. Mhm. I mean, I I don't remember exactly reading what he intended it to mean, but I think what we all came to feel that it meant was that we are all the walrus. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's powerful. That's, that's a so, very, very powerful statement. You're you just so said. that's, and, and it's so like, what I love about it is that it's so true. Yes. Yes. Like, like it's so like, it's not something that you would think immediately think to think, but then when you hear it, you're like, of course, of yes, course it's, that's it's what like it a is. light bulb going off. Yeah. Now, why, it's like a real aha moment. Yes, you know? yes. And, and aha, of course, was another band. Liz, can you expand on that? Um, they were European, weren't they? Mm. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I think then, I don't remember them having, you know, the sort of British invasion impact. But I well, they, do. Well, they were, you know, I danced to aha at some yeah. point. So since I grew up in Chicago, that means it penetrated into the Midwest, which is sort of the watermark. They came way later, AHA. Um, mm-hmm. The Beatles started, the Beatles, I don't think the Beatles started recording albums until, I mean, they were many years ago. And then, yeah. 
Well, no, I'm, 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 I, I'm, I don't know if AHA had as many hidden messages as the Beatles. The Beatles really codified the whole mm. sort of, you know, that something can be saying one thing and mean something totally different. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, AHA, they have a lot of, they had a whole amazing bunch of great songs. One that comes to mind is Take On Me. That's mm-hmm. just one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have obviously have many other good ones. Um, Which again, I, that's funny. I wonder if they were influenced by the backwards singing movement because me take on also makes sense. Exactly. You know? Well, I mean, I, I assume nobody's going to say it, so I will. Aha is spelled the same backwards and forwards. Oh my god! I think we've hit on something here. Ding ding I ding! I think we've we've yeah. probably hit our eighty percent mark. I'm going to have to go back and really study them more. Liz, do you remember? Do you remember when I said aha moment? Mm-hmm. And then I think you went from aha moment to aha the band. Right. And a lot of people don't realize they think that's just a coincidence, but actually these are these are that's just a profound human trait to pass these these kind of an impetus yes. to each other. And that's what music is doing in in some sense, if I can bring it back around, oh, is passing an impetus. To each other, and I'm Impetus, of course, is the is the famous hard rock band, and they're terrific, also. Um, but I wanna, I, I, I wanna end uh, as we're as we're getting closer to the end um, with something that I think really is the most important feature of music, and that is its emotional resonance. Um, music affects us so very deeply, whether it's um, the AHA song, Take On Me, or some of the other great AHA songs. They all affect us so, so very deeply. And Liz, I wonder if you could sort of wrap things up, to add your own coda to this discussion by discussing, emotionally speaking, what music means to you. Well, to me, music is the most profound communication that you can have outside of, I guess, intimacy. Because, you know, when language developed in... In, in, in 1600s, in, yes. Uh-huh, like, you can tell someone something, and they can, you, they can hear you say, I am sad, or I am happy, or I love you. But when you sing it, they feel it. And so you've communicated not just information... You've communicated your spirit. You've communicated your heart. So to me, I'm almost religious about music because it's, it's a more true language. It's going from 3D to 4D or 4D to 5D. It's beyond facts. It's truth. Wow. Uh, Michael, I, you know, I think we've just heard... Uh our own truth. And, uh, I think my brain just went from 4d to 5d. Any final thoughts, Michael? A great playwright once said, if music be the food of love, play on, Mm. give me excess of it. That surfeiting, the appetite may sicken and so die. Mm. This has been a very, very, just wonderful. A wonderful and memorable experience for me. Yeah, I, I feel like I've learned a lot. Um, 
Liz, I feel like I taught you a lot. And I know I'm going to be, be very grateful for this conversation as I listen to music uh, in the future. Liz Fair, thank you so much for joining us on this very special, special episode of Topics. Thank you so much. And Michael Showalter, as always, I thank you. I look forward to continuing this conversation in future episodes. Thank you. Me too. Hello. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Topics. Please help us get the word out about the show by writing us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you'd like to write to us a question or a comment about this episode or any episode, please do. Our email address is topicspodcasts at gmail.com. Thank you. This has been an Earwolf Media production. Executive producers Jeff Ulrich and Scott Aukerman. For more information, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolfradio.com The Wolf Dead.